Welcome to a special episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Dusendorf. I'm Ken Mink. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. We are usually here to talk about the practical side of operations work. Today, we're doing a special episode about working from home in the face of COVID-19. We would like to thank 42 Lions for sponsoring this episode. 42 Lions is a DevOps consulting firm specializing in observability, cloud migration, cost control, security practices, and team mentoring. When you need the experts from the Practical Operations Podcasts on your team, find us at 42lines.net. So today we're doing a special episode mostly focused on the impending flood of workers leaving the office. Um, Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, all kinds of large organizations have mandated all of their workers that possibly can work from home. And this is tens if not hundreds of thousands of folks in pretty much every tech bubble zone state, whatever, in in the country, in the if world. If you have the option of working from home in this environment with COVID-19, I highly suggest you do so. The four of us so, have yeah, been... Everybody. Yeah, the, the four of us have been working from home for quite a while. And this is one of those areas that we actually can offer some some practical, relevant, timely advice. And this podcast doesn't usually do timely. We usually record ahead of time and all of that, but we figured to make an exception and do a special episode. So, this is definitely an emergent issue. So the first thing is don't touch your face or your 401k. Things are going to get really weird really fast. And as best you can, keep on going like operations are normal. Um, the CDC has, you know, websites and, and tools and bits of information you can go to for up-to-date information on best practices for sanitization and best practices for social congregation. Basically, don't do it and all of that. And really, guys, and really, folks, you're a member of your family first, even if you are single and you live alone. Take care of your health. Your health is the most important thing. Do not risk exposure. Do not risk burnout, any of those things. Focus on what your needs are so you can then get your work done. We are not health experts. You know where to find information about how to stay healthy. And we can even link you to the CDC. But take care of your own health and your family's health. Don't risk your health or your ex or exposure to the virus because of of company business demands. Yeah, and keep salting money into your 401k like you normally do with your normal paychecks. You actually make more money all that way through the through the dip. Trust me. Okay, no more financial advice. Well, I think also keep doing as much normal as possible for your own sanity. I mean, yes, don't be going out and getting in big crowds, but... Oh, that's what's so weird about this is... So much of what is normal is being social and congregating with your friends or going to karate or going to church or going to a big concert. And with, you know, 20 years living under the, the world of 9-11, when we refuse to succumb to fear and we keep doing our normal things, and now we actually need to stop doing some of our normal things. And I, I think that's going to be the hardest part from this is the culture change, especially when talking about uh, organizations going from primarily uh, everybody in the same location to a remote first or work from home type scenario. 
It can be quite a change. A couple of jobs ago, we were allowed work from home days weekly and everybody kind of took it. So I started doing it and I found I didn't like it that I missed the easy, easy interaction of, you know, just looking at the guy at the next cube and asking him a question. And, and when we started designing things, the easy back and forth when you're face to face and, and, you know, drawn on a whiteboard and all those things that working from home, I didn't feel as, pro as productive, but there's something to be said for rolling out of bed and just walking down the hall. So <laughs> I remember the big thing about me changing jobs and starting to work with 42 lines is the fact that I had never done work from home before, and I was really kind of nervous about that. Will I adapt to work from home? Can I handle the, the lack of social interaction? So I thought. Um, and there's really not a lack of social interaction. And yeah, it turns out it works really well really quickly. Well, I think the crucial part of all of this is, does the company have a culture that lends itself to distributed work? And it's a lot of places are being pushed into it because they have, you know, there's a team in California, there's a team in New York, there's a team in London, there's a team in Minsk, wherever it is. And so they have to do some, you know, remote kind of communication, some non-in-person things. But Netflix famously doesn't like doing remote work at all. They want everybody to be in the office. So their culture is going to have to adapt a lot in the next couple of weeks because Real fast. the... The, the, that that county has banned people from gathering in, in those numbers for the foreseeable future. So it's going to be a huge shift, especially when the culture of the organization doesn't support it. And I keep telling people that culture is intentionally built, and I think folks are starting to listen. If you're going to do work, like actual work, and get, get things done and be productive when you're working from home, there's... There's a couple of things that as a team, as an organization, as a culture, you really need to, to get on board with. And the biggest one of those things is changing how you communicate. Culture is definitely intentionally built. Being able to work from home productively, there takes some intentionality to do that. You and your employer, the, the team you work with, has to be on board with intentionally enabling work from home. It's not hard. It's not tedious. It's not difficult. But it's a set of practices that folks need to adopt to enable good communication patterns. Yeah, one of the one of the things I like is when you have like a <clears throat> a concept of core hours and different places do this differently and generally it's just say like from 10 to 2 or even 12 to 2, I don't know, some some range of time sort of in the middle of everybody's time zone or at least uh, I guess at the beginning of somebody's, end of somebody's, in the middle of someone's, uh, that everybody knows, okay, we're going to try to schedule meetings during this time. I, sh I should try to be generally available during this time. I shouldn't be taking a break or lunch during this. And that way, it's almost an unspoken rule of like, oh, I know people are going to be available or I can communicate and expect to get a response back instead of it just being like firing off a, a, a message and then, you know, it may get answered next tomorrow. And you have some boundaries around where your meetings fall during the day. So when you're outside of core hours, in a lot of cases, you have some really solid work time that has minimal distractions going on. So you don't invite, you also don't invite the guys in Italy to a meeting at, you know, midnight their time. 
and they're thinking, well, I need to be on this this call because it's really important because you know the founder of the company set it up or whatever it is, but it's really inconvenient for them. So be mindful when you schedule that meeting and it lands at, time zones. at 6.15 for the East Coast team and you're in California, well, that's in the middle of their dinner. And especially when when folks are really paranoid and really anxious about health and the virus and all the other things going on, that this is not a great time to be like kind of impinging on people's family times. So be mindful. Time zones. And the other thing that, that this brings up to me is use your status messages in uh, Slack or in HipChat or whatever you're using these days. Use your status messages to communicate if you're available, if you're not available. Really crank up the sensitivity of the idle notifications so people know when you're not at your desk. So they message you and you're not there. They're not waiting for a response and they're going, oh, well, now, now it went idle. I really like the people that, you know, when they come in the morning, say good morning or, you know, let you know they're arriving, let you know when they go to lunch and come back and, and they go to get a coffee you know, when they head out for the day, just so you know, you have some idea. Oh, I always used to think that was so annoying, but I, I basically use Slack to clock in and then clock out and tell people I'm going to lunch. And yeah, that gives people a sense of, you know, what state I'm in and what's going on. And when you're doing your own timesheets, hey, I know what time I came and left. Oh, very handy. But even if you're not doing timesheets, like I recently changed jobs. Um, I'm no longer with 42 Lines. I've moved on to Sysdig, and I'm an entirely remote employee. And a lot of my coworkers are not entirely remote. Well, before this last week are not entirely remote. And it is interesting with the difference because 42 Lines is entirely remote, and they built their culture around always over-communicate, over-share all the status updates and all the things that are going on. And I am working to instill that sensibility into the people I work with at Sysdig because it really helps the folks who are remote kind of know what's going on and, and see what's happening and, and not miss the contextual clues that you would have gotten at the water cooler or walking down the hall from, from getting you know, a cup of coffee in the break room. So there are really three sort of big points about being a remote employee that really sums up for me what folks need to do to sort of work in this environment. And the first one is choose your tools and choose your tools wisely. Slack and Zoom are really popular and they're popular for a reason. But choosing your tools that the entire company or your entire team is going to use and building some consistency around them. Like, do you say good morning when you walk in? Do you tell people when you're at lunch? What is your settings for your idle timeouts and your, your status messages? That kind of thing. The second big thing for me is having scheduled meetings, regular email announcements, some sort of formal communication pattern. So I usually participate in a daily stand-up of some sort with some client. Last about 20 minutes. If it lasts longer, you're, you have other problems, but that's beside the point. And we can all get in sync on exactly what's on everybody's plate, what folks are working on. We've talked with everybody. We're aware of current problems. We're not stepping on each other's toes. And we can figure out from there if we need to have more targeted meetings around something else that can be ad hoc. The third Jack's rule of working from home is good meeting etiquette. Good yes, audio I, oh, etiquette. Yes, can I cannot believe how... Pet peeve. Good audio etiquette. Over the years... Get mm. yourself a headset, a stupid $25 USB headset puts you light years ahead of most people. And further, when you get your headset, 
get a test call going with somebody else before the next time you join a group call so you can make sure that your echo isn't bad and then you're actually plugged in and using it and everything else. Um, especially when you have... But you know where the buttons are. Especially when you have 25 people on a group call. Having clean audio is extraordinarily important. Knowing where the mute button is, use the mute button when you're not speaking. When you use Zoom, there's an easy setting that will mute your microphone when you join a meeting. I suggest you turn that on. In a meeting of 25 or more, or even 10 people, or even 5, you're sitting there, no one has mute on, and you can hear papers rattling and listen to everybody breathe. It's not a pleasant experience. It'll also save you embarrassment because you are at home. You may do something you really don't want going across the audio. I've heard in so many flushes come through in meetings. <laughs> <laughs> that wireless USB headset, you forgot it's exactly. on your ear. Yeah, been more than that. The number of times that you hear somebody's kids or their spouse walk into the room, and it still happens with a headset, but it is minimized dramatically when you have um, a mute switch and you're you're pay- you're paying attention to if you have a hot mic or not. And if you or when and, you need to walk outside and start up your generator. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> True story. That was, that was a good one. But yeah, using a cheap $25 headset, um, I think we'll throw one into the show notes, goes miles. And being able to unmute when you speak and mute when you not speak goes even further. And getting your entire team on that sort of basic level of audio hygiene really makes working from home and doing meetings really productive and really pleasant. And in fact, using Skype or Zoom or other online teleconferencing stuff, the audio quality is a lot better than being on your phone. It's actually kind of enjoyable. And as we've said on this on this show before, if you don't have a headset and you're in a pinch, the earbuds that come with your cell phone, they've all got little headset uh, they've all got little microphones in the, the wires going up to your ears. Go ahead and use them. Plug them into your laptop. You'd be surprised at how even a relatively inexpensive set of earbuds, how much better it is for everybody around you. Um, I've got like five Apple earbuds for emergency headsets. They are great for that. Also, if you have somebody else who's got a hot mic, politely nudge them. There's nothing wrong with just saying hot mic to somebody in a private message. It, everybody else in the meeting will appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. So my final note for the, the work side of working from home is, in general, you try to err on the side of saying too much, of being too verbose, of oversharing your feelings, your thoughts, or the status of things. Your work plans. Because you, you really don't understand how much of your communication is nonverbal in an office until you're not in the office. And for the folks who are doing this remotely... It's very apparent, but it is extraordinarily important to try to try to preserve as much of that context for everybody else as you can, especially if you're a team that's not used to doing this remotely and you need to, you're, thro- you're getting thrown into this because of the virus. And now oh, we got to figure it out. Really overshare. If you need help on a ticket, if you need help on a problem, if you don't quite understand the way the architecture works, say it and say, hey, guys, this isn't making sense. And and don't kind of beat around the bush and try to fi- No, just call it out and do it. You'll get things done that way. One thing that that's hard for me 
is when I was working in an office and I needed to ask a question or needed help with something, it was easy to you know, stand up and take a walk and stretch your legs a bit and pop into somebody else's office, knew when else was there, you had a nice little conversation, figured things out, you went on with your work. And in a remote or work from home situation, that doesn't work. And if I need help on something or need some sort of assistance, I have to go and actually ask people, hey, can we Zoom? Can we have a meeting about XYZ? And that's always been extra intimidating because I don't want to add extra meetings to people's calendars and lives and work stuff. But that's actually really kind of how this works. If somebody needs to ask me a question and sometimes it's just easier to work it out over Zoom, hop on Zoom and we're in core hours, everybody's there and we sort of take care of the matter and it's just like you you popped over in somebody's office. So moving on, the other side of this coin is when you're working from home, there's a huge personal shift that happens. The, the work side of it's pretty obvious, but when you work from home, suddenly you don't have that 25-minute hour commute, whatever it is, to decompress and stop thinking about work and start thinking about your home life or thinking about the things you wanted to do this weekend or whatever it was because now you're walking probably from your dining room table into the living room, and that's your commute. So you don't have that barrier anymore between I was at work and, and there's your partner. Don't take out your frustrations on your partner immediately. Mm-hmm. So find find a way to enforce a a work and a home life kind of wall that you don't always violate. Yeah, guest bedroom is perfect for that. Uh, it, previously, um, I used our bonus room. We kind of had like a split area where it was like a you know little in- entertainment area, and then also an actual like desk that I worked from. Um, yeah, but that so, dedicated place in the house that you go to to work. Exactly. And then the rule in our house was that if I was on a call, I would close the door so that way my my wife and daughter would know, okay, he's on a call. I can't go in right now. Yeah, and it, it's small things like that that can really help. And I, I realize that not every situation is the same, and you may not have a place that you can go to close yourself up. And that's going to be extra difficult, but... But put some time, talk to the other people that live in your house about how are we going to do this? This is going to be the next couple of weeks. We have to find a workable solution so we don't kill each other. And taking that time to talk it out ahead of time will mean buckets getting there because everybody will be on the same page. And it'll go smoother when the kids do come wandering towards you and you say, you know, no, I'm on a call. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it'll already they'll already have a clue as to what you're talking about, and it'll go smoother. Yeah, instead of the fifth time they walk in during the call and you snap at them, and they're like, "Why is Dad so angry at me all of a sudden?" Ken, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, my kids Why are famous is Ken for not mad at me. So the the next thing on my list of kind of the the home life stuff is every morning go through your normal routine like you were going to work. Take a shower, get dressed in whatever you wear to work. If you shave, shave, and when you get on a Zoom call. If your internet supports it, turn video on. It is an anathema to a lot of people who work from home full-time, but it helps kind of reconnect you with the people around you, and it forces you to look presentable and feel presentable. So this way, you actually feel like you're a human who's at work and not just a bum who rolled out of bed and is still in their pajamas and is kind of drinking their coffee and 
sort of struggling through figuring out how the morning's going to go. It's bizarre how much it does matter. I've been working remote for years, but only very recently started working from home. I was working out of the back office out of another business. And people have asked me how it's going. And I always say my personal hygiene has taken a major hit. And it's, you do feel so much better when you go through that full morning routine, even if you're just going down the hall. You feel so much better, and it sets a tone for the rest of your day that can't be beat. Man, Ken, I'm glad we do this over Skype. Uh, yeah, if you were here, I would be apologizing. Similarly, if you are, even if you're not really an outdoorsy type of person, for your lunch break, instead of, you know, driving off to wherever because that's not what we're doing anymore, go take a walk. Go spend 10 minutes in the sunlight walking around outside. You don't have to get within the six foot whatever cordon of other people. But getting your blood flowing if you can, it really, really helps. I don't like to exercise, but when I do, oh wait. <laughs> I mean, I used to go to the gym for lunch, and that's kind of out now because, well, you know, COVID, thanks. Gyms are closed. But I'm taking a walk every day. It really, really helps. And similarly, I would argue, don't eat your lunch at your desk. Don't don't bring your food to your workstation and sit there and eat. Use Use your lunch break as a... Use your lunch break, take it away, use it as some mental space. It'll make you more productive than eating at your desk. Yeah, I uh, I walk my dog during lunch to help get some exercise. Do you eat anything? Uh, Yeah, I try to. I, I, I To contradict a little bit what <laughs> Brendan said, uh, I will sometimes eat it at my desk. I actually do it quite a bit. However... To, get more time you know I'll, I'll burn the full hour doing other things and then eat like a sandwich or something while i'm getting back to work that's kind of what i do although for this break now that the kids are going to be home for this period my wife has said she would like me to take the lunch to come downstairs and have lunch with the whole family and spend some since the kids are gonna be home spend time with them and you know honestly it i think it'll be great mm-hmm. yeah Anything you can do to be more connected to the humans you're able to see right now is a huge positive and will pay dividends a week or two or three weeks from now, depending on how long this lasts. So please do. Yeah, be connected to your family and take breaks. Work from home doesn't mean work all the time. Oh, God, no. And do not, for whatever, do not bring your laptop to bed. Do not bring your workstation into your bedroom ever. That is a recipe for disaster and burnout and pain and being asked to sleep on the couch. Bizarrely, I run two <laughs> partitions on my laptop, one personal, one work, and I reboot at night when I'm done. And I can't access the work stuff without jumping through so many hoops that it's not worth it. And it has made it very difficult for me to start blurring the barrier. And that's what I'm talking about. Because if you can lay there in bed and just answer one more email or just do one more quick update to that JIRA ticket or whatever it is, you're now, you, you've dissolved that. That perpetuates the culture-isms that we're really advising people get away with in, in normal work circumstances. You shouldn't spet, set the expectation that you're always available to your email or always available on that ticket. You should really set some expectations that these are your work hours. These are your personal barriers. This is my work-life balance. And if there's a crisis, and if you're really needed for something, 
that's fine. But get up, go to your dedicated workspace, sit down there, be in your work mode, sit there, do your work, get work done. And then when it's time to be done, you when you leave that space again, now you get to say, okay, I am back to being a member of the family instead of being an employee of the company. It is crucial that you don't get tangled up in this. So sort of lastly, there are a lot of of crazy high pressure demands and situations that a lot of us in this field are are under pressure from as we try to deal with massive shifts in the workforce to work from home, setting up needed infrastructure, making business continuity plans work during this time. How do you get the VPs on the VPN? How do you get MFA set up and deployed to a company? How do you get all of these these things are important? A friend of the show has a great article on Reddit, and we'll include it in the show notes, that really takes a lot of time to to explain about some of these issues and how how to work with your your manager, your boss, the VP, and how to work through you know whose demands may be unreasonable, but they probably don't, and be sane, being calm and being able to communicate well the things that can be accomplished and things that cannot be accomplished. So that's that's a great resource for for folks that are under some undue stress at work trying to get all this done for everyone. And again, don't risk exposure just for your job. Well, crucially, one of the things that happens if you're not prepared for it with working from home is you feel isolated. And if you're practicing social distancing or any of the other things that are going on, that further compounds the isolation. Use the resources you have. So use Reddit, use Slack, use whatever it is to reach out and say, hey, I cannot figure out how the Duo MFA stuff works. Can somebody please just give me a pointer? I'm sure that I'm missing a toggle somewhere. Don't try to hero it. Don't try to go alone because that is a recipe for absolute burnout and disaster. No, Dell cannot drop ship you 50 more laptops on Monday. <laughs> but if you ask them, they can probably have them here next Monday. So work work with the resources you have. Work with the teams that you know. Reach out to the resources you can reach out to. You can find solutions that don't involve you putting in 24-hour days for a week on end. Anything else, guys? Don't panic. I've got my towel. I'm good. <laughs> and that really is the best <laughs> advice please take the time to rate the show in overcast apple podcasts or your favorite podcast directory it's the best way for new listeners to find us additionally we welcome feedback about shows we've recorded or topics you'd like us to cover leave us a comment on the website at operations.fm send us your thoughts on email feedback at operations.fm or use at operations.fm on twitter we would like to thank 42 lines for sponsoring this episode. And that wraps it up for this special episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. I'm Brendan Dusendorf. I'm Ken Mink. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. Thanks, and stay safe. Stay calm, carry on.